but it is like everything else. It's a little heartbreaking to see like what it used to be before all this happened. It can be that way again. It's just going to take time. Yep. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 290. What are you doing? (laughs) What is that? I'm trying to change things up a little. Okay. So (laughs) I don't think that's exactly what anybody had in mind. Who said something about they needed something changed up? You just did. No. I didn't say I was changing up because somebody else said I needed to change up. I know you well enough to know there's always some voice in your head telling you to do something. Yeah. It's called a soul, David. <laughs> it's not what you it is. You lack that. Schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Welcome to episode two. What, David? You was going to say something. I was, I was just thinking how sometimes I'll be in the room with you. <laughs> Not saying a single thing, and then you go, what'd you just say? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I haven't said anything to you. And you do that to Jackson, too, so it's not just me. So I know you hear voices. I know you do. <laughs> I went to go cut the water on to put some water in the pool because it's so hot here. I'm having to add water to the pool. And I turned around because I thought somebody was talking to me. See? <laughs> See? I heard it. In his day, somebody was talking to me. Oh, and there's See, nothing folks? there. Like, I even looked at my phone to see if I had called somebody by accident. I didn't know what had happened. All right. You heard it here, folks. I hear music a lot when there's no music, too. Oh, I know. We were laying in bed. Did you hear that? Well, here's you the thing. You can't hear anyway, so... It's probably real, and you just don't hear it. No, because you'll sit there all night and go, do you hear that music? No, because you like, said no. you've got tinnitus, so all you hear is beep. Yeah, I do have that. So you can't hear ringing. the soft, sweet music I'm hearing. You're probably hearing my earphones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that did happen one night. Anyway, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I got to know what the person outside by the pool said to you. <laughs> Do you really want to know? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like you heard some indistinct mumbling of some sort and no. you thought somebody said something. You literally heard as clear as day. What are you doing? <laughs> and I turned around and nobody was there. I'm surprised you didn't come back in the house and say, David, what'd you say? Well, it wouldn't surprise me if you haven't hit a speaker somewhere out there saying stuff like that. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's it. It was you. (laughs) It was not me. It was you. You play jokes way too much. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you and I, um, you know, we have such a great relationship that I'm always there with you. (laughs) (laughs) See, if I die before you, you, you'll be that person. It's like, I heard him talking to me. (laughs) I was in the living room and he was talking to me. Saying, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? I can't get no peace. Call the priest. Have him excised. He's attached himself to the house. Walk to the light, Clarice. (laughs) 
You done got a dog's barking. <laughs> it's okay, babies. <laughs> they said, mm. <laughs> Okay. Our guest today is bio dad Eric. He has been blending for two plus years, has bio son 13, bio daughter 15, and we discuss parental alienation. I have to say, it's interesting that when you're talking to a guy, They'll say something like, we've been married for two plus years. When you talk to a woman, it's been, we've been married two years, three months, and four days. <laughs> well, I do think that he said two plus years and that I didn't just write it because I would usually write exactly what they say unless I wasn't listening. Yeah, which we know. And if he said, we've been blending for two years and said four months, then I probably just wrote two plus years. Which reminds me when we were interviewed on a TV show what, earlier this week, somebody was like, how long have you guys been together? And we're like, 400 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if we ever talked about that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to share that with y'all. It's on Roku TV. Yeah, soon to be on Amazon and some other places. Actually, I think we probably have missed the announcement of it. We'll have to find out exactly when it is and go back and add it. All right. Well, let's get back to our guest. Okay. Yeah, David. The hardest part for Eric has been rebuilding after alienation. He was a target than the fiance was. Wow. Best advice, need to nacho for the fiance. Mm-hmm. So he's given the best advice for the fiance. Something unique about Eric's situation. He was alienated for nine months. Daughter said, didn't want any relationship with him. No reasons. Went to court. He won. And we talk about the aftermath. Mm. So we are going to talk a little bit about reunification therapy in this episode. It should be fairly interesting. It is. I might deem that myself sometime. It is. And y'all know it's rare that we get men on here. So I'm really thankful that Eric decided to share his story with us because a few weeks ago we had David Schubert that wrote the book about parental alienation is parental alienation is abuse. Eric talks about how more resources are needed after parental alienation. And I completely agree. As all of our parental alienation stories are, they're just heartbreaking. Yeah. So let's get to listening. All right. Today we have bio dad, Eric. Hey, Eric, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about what all you've had going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure. So I have two children of my own. So my son's going to be 14. My daughter's going to be 16. I have been divorced for probably about two years. I also live in a state where you have to do the whole year Mm -hmm. of being separated before you're allowed to do that. Currently, right now, I just recently got engaged. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. And so the my partner, she does not have any children. Mm-hmm. And so we've been actually, we were actually living together right, I would say, right before I got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in that separation period of time. And uh, we started living together. So... The quick version, actually, and I'm sure you've, and I've, I listened to your podcast, obviously, and I listened to a few other ones as well. Like everything was actually going really, really well. 
Mm-hmm. The kids absolutely adored her. You know, they would ask me all the time if she was going to be there. We did do it right. I made sure this was a serious relationship before introducing her to the kids. And then, you know, what their thoughts would be if she moved in and everybody was great. What actually happened with us was we decided to go on our first vacation altogether when they were on summer break. So that would have been about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And everything went really, really well. And near the end of that summer vacation, I got a message from my ex, their mom, and she wanted me to return the kids as soon as I got back into town. And that wasn't previously agreed upon. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of fought back a little bit on that. And I think that that was really the first time that there was almost any type of issues that we had had mm-hmm. um, at the beginning. And as soon as I got into town, she decided that she called the police and said that she had no idea where the kids were and basically that I had kidnapped them. Oh my gosh. So it's... That kind of escalated really fast, which kind of surprised us a little bit. So you're aware too, like both of my kids have cell phones. Obviously I, you know, I I knew a hundred percent that they were able and they had contacted her. I of course replied back that, you know, we were back in town and everything that was going on, et cetera, et cetera. But she still decided to do that. And then what was supposed to occur was there was supposed to be a week just to go by. Mm-hmm. and they were then going to go on their trip with her for a week. Okay. And so I was supposed to see the kids the Friday before they left to go to town, which was in my normal custody agreement. And then when I got there, they weren't there. Oh, no. And so I showed up, nobody's around, and so nobody would contact me, and I had zero contact with anybody for an entire week. The only good thing was I knew where they were going. Right. So that was really a surprise. But I didn't hear from anybody during that week. And quite frankly, once they came back, that's when everything immediately changed. So the kids were acting very, very differently. Couldn't at that time really figure out exactly what was going on. And I would say another month or two went by and then we, I started getting messages that they didn't want to come over. They had homework. I didn't have the best custody schedule at that time. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that a lot from people, right. but we were doing way too much back and forth. And we thought that that was a good thing because the kids said they didn't want to be away from either parent for too long. Mm-hmm. So then that started happening and then probably about two months of on and off again visits, they would just text me themselves that they didn't want to come over. And so I did it, try to go over there, obviously. And I was like, you know, it's kind of not really your choice and I'll be over there. Yeah, get your butt in the car. Yep. And when I attempted to do that, then she called the police on me. Oh, great. And so then that's, started happening. And so I, of course, lawyered up, which, you know, is nothing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then I spent the next months, nine months, not seeing them going to court, proving parental alienation. I won. Congratulations. 
Thank you. And now it's been a year and obviously I'm still dealing with the aftermath of all of that. And so that's kind of our story in a quick nutshell. Ironically, I reached out to you because I kind of go through your podcasts, especially like, and I'll search for things that interest me. Mm -hmm. And I had listened to back to back where you had a gentleman on there and he was going through pretty much the same thing, parental alienation. But basically I've heard a lot, especially from fathers, it just sounds defeating. I know. Because it, it's it's absolutely horrible. It is. Like, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And then I also then went right back and listened to a different podcast of yours where a gentleman that you had as a guest didn't quite understand. And that, I know you've been fighting this yourself about like exactly what you're suggesting and what you're doing. Right. And because all of this happened to us, my fiance, she had to immediately pull back because the relationship was entirely different now. Right. And so where it was all happy go lucky and she was the best person and both the kids wanted to make sure that she was always around before we lived together. My daughter was having sleepovers with her and then all of a sudden she just became the enemy. Nobody likes her. You know, yeah, and all the resentment, everything I was dealing with, also with the parental alienation, because I did have to deal with, especially on my daughter's side, she just flat out was like, you know, I don't love you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Zero relationship. And so then I was sitting down, I was like, we stumbled upon you. And I was like, yeah, there, there's a need. This is why, due to circumstances, you have to change your relationship, adapt, and then start at least stepping back as the non-bio parent. Right. And so all of these things have kind of ended up happening over the last two years. And we're slowly getting back on track, I feel like. So that's what's been going on. Wow. Yeah. So you never, okay. When did you win your court battle? What year was that? So I'm almost getting to the anniversary of the year. Okay. So last year I went to court right before summer, before they got out of school. Okay. And how often do you get the kids now? We're back on to 50-50. Okay. Which was crazy because that's pretty much what I had to begin with. Do y'all do every other week now instead of? We do. Yes, okay. we do week on week off where before it was very sporadic due to my work. So it was consistent, but it was one of these, like, I would see them every Monday, every Thursday, Friday, and then we would change Saturday and Sunday and alternate. And it was this weird two week cycle thing that we created to kind of deal with my work and Right. How to pick them up from school and how to figure things out and stuff like that. So there was a lot of back and forth. And that's why at the very beginning, I made the mistake of not recognizing what was going on. So, you know, if my daughter reached out, she's like, I got a lot of homework. Is it okay if I stay at my mom's? They were realistically only coming to my house, having dinner, sleeping, and then going back to school and then right back to her sometimes. Right. And so I was sure, you know, go ahead and do that. And then it just, you know, escalated from there as the alienation got stronger and stronger. Did you ever take your daughter to a counselor or a therapist or your kids in general? So why I kind of wanted to reach out to you was the more research that I did on parental alienation and having to go through the court system, mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, if what, what ends up happening is the court system and even doing therapy, it makes the situation worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was I actually hired my first lawyer and then I ended up actually firing her. Oh, really? Yes. And it was simply for the fact that she really wasn't doing anything. Nobody was taking it seriously. I kept being like, you know, I haven't seen my kids for two weeks, three weeks. It's now been a month. Now it's been two months. And what ended up happening was instead of going to court, the my lawyer, and then she eventually got a lawyer too, they met with the judge, but only in chambers. Mm-hmm. And they said that we were supposed to be doing therapy together. Okay. But I had no access to my kids. Right. So what actually ended up happening was my, my, their mom set up counseling and it was for the individual children. She blocked me from going to the first, the first meeting. Mm -hmm. And actually her lawyer sent me a letter trying to say I couldn't go, but I ended up showing up anyway, because you can't do that. And when I did actually meet the therapist, the therapist wanted to meet with the kids separately first, get to know them and then start bringing me in. But what the therapists were actually doing was they refused to do anything that the kids didn't want to do. Okay. Which made absolutely no sense. Right. So they would be like, well, do you want to meet with your dad? And they'd be, well, no, I don't want to do that. So then they'd be like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. They don't feel comfortable and I'm not going to force them to do anything. And I'm screaming to the world. The whole point is of this therapy is unification therapy. That's what the judge ordered. Right. And so then they didn't want to get involved. Right. And I learned really quickly, especially, I don't know if it's where I am or if this happens everywhere, but the last thing therapists want to get involved in is any of this. They don't want anything to do with having a court. They don't want anything to do with using the word parental alienation. Right. Out that no counselors really even understand parental alienation, how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so it, and when the research that I was doing, cause I was getting more and more involved because my lawyer wasn't doing anything was I found a lot of great articles and they were saying, yep, it's the way the current court system is set up. This is exactly what the judge is going to do X, Y, and Z, which is exactly what they did at the beginning and how it's just going to make it worse and worse because they're also a hundred percent under her care. Right. And so it actually, what ended up happening was I feel like it just reinforced it and made it worse and worse and worse. Right. I get that. Yeah. And so that's what ended up at that very beginning. And then I can go through all the other stuff, but then to also answer your question was when I actually won, I made sure that the judge included that we would try to do kind of group counseling with myself and both of the kids and myself. We tried that again and it ended up, it was the same reaction out of the therapist, even though I went right in saying, this is, you know, what happened to my kids? We just went to court. You know, my daughter doesn't want anything to do with me because of this. And, and it was still, it was, it was painful just for the fact that again, they wouldn't force the kids to talk about it, do anything. We just got nowhere. Well, how long did you go? Because I know a lot of times they want to build relationships with the kids. 
my children are still going to their individual therapists. Okay, that's that good. We went for, I would say maybe 10 sessions. Okay, that's that's a good many. That were really like, we were trying to do, you know, maybe two a week and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So one part of information I didn't share was when I actually won, I got 60 days of uh, the kids under my my house and they were only allowed to visit their mom every other weekend. Payback. Yeah. And it was literally to try and build that relationship. And then right. during that period of time, I was like, we're, you know, I want to, we were going like twice a week. Right. As much as we can every day. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of the things that I really got discouraged with the, with the therapist because I was also like, we're dealing with a 13, 15 year old or 12, maybe 12, 14 at the time. And I was like, they're not little kids. Like we can approach it. Right. And it was just, they, they, you know, my daughter would just sit in silence. My son would say a couple things. We would talk about what they wanted to eat for dinner. It was just stuff like that. I'm like, wow. Okay. Are we going to actually do something here? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you that perhaps maybe if we had stuck with it a little bit longer, but I was starting to see that kind of same trend that it kind of felt like it was just making things worse. Kind of rehashing it. A little bit. And I might've been freaking out at the time too. You know what I mean? Like I was very sensitive towards everything as well of what just happened. So, right. So we, we, we didn't do that. And instead we kind of did let them have their space. They're under my roof and let's see if we can slowly rebuild things back. Right. So where I'm at right now is my son and I have a great relationship. So he's back a hundred percent, if not a little more dad, dad, dad than he was before. Mm-hmm. Um, still building the relationship back with my daughter. You'd never figured out what happened. So what was interesting was, so I went nine months of not seeing or speaking to my daughter at all. Okay. And I, with my second lawyer's advice though, which was very painful was that I would have to keep texting her, try to call her. I have to show and prove that I'm reaching out Mm -hmm. and you know, if you would constantly get back, like, I don't want to see you, I'm not coming over. So that kind of ended up happening over the nine months. I saw my son three times. And so he did come over for Christmas, my birthday, and one other time just to have lunch. Mm -hmm. And so nine months kind of went by where we finally got our court date. And then that was an all day event. Mm -hmm. And we just had mounds and mounds and mounds of evidence. And what was kind of a blessing, but it kind of, to me, doesn't make any sense. Their mom does a lot of social media stuff mm-hmm. and even videos, and we were able to use all of that. Yeah. And so that was actually kind of a blessing, which I don't know why you would share all that information to the public. Right. And anyway, so when we finally got there, I we were prepared. My lawyer was prepared to be like, you know, they may accuse you of being an alcoholic, drug addict, beating the kids, beating anybody, you know, like you're going to have to be ready for this. They came in with absolutely nothing. Oh, wow. And so they went to court. They decided to even go first, which they didn't have to. And I think they were relying very strongly on just simply 
the kids testifying that they wanted to spend a hundred percent of the time with their mom. Mm -hmm. And that obviously didn't work. And so I was pretty shocked myself of how our, like my actual court case went and how everything did uh, go down. Right. But, but no, still to this day, I, I can't, the kids won't say anything. They won't share anything with me. I have zero idea why. Week or so? Yeah. Yeah. It really was one of those weird things was that as far as our relationship, yeah, we, we did that one week summer vacation. And like I said, then it was a week back and then they went away for a week and it was very, very different. Yeah. So very fast, very immediate. They go stay with some kind of cult or something. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those very strange things that like if you and I you know had to dive into all the parental alienation, how to prove it in court, yeah. and all these things. Like especially my daughter, it's to a T. Mm-hmm. Like it's she, it's every single sign and every single thing, and then you go through like what is the the alienating parent doing to. You know, and then it was just like perfect, perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sadly, I still don't have a clue really what the problem was, what what they ultimately wanted. Right. So, I will I will say this is that I I know an after fact that my son definitely didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, and it was really sad, but you know, he you could tell like he still reached out to me a little bit and the whole Christmas, my birthday and going to lunch. He just, he just seemed like he was stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but my daughter was all, all in. Yeah. 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 She had that influence. Yeah. So it was one of those same things was then, you know, and I'm talking to different lawyers and talking to different people and I'm sitting there and they're like, well, how old is she? And I'm like 14. And they all, you know, immediately. (laughs) Great. Oh, yeah. Very impressionable age. Very, you know, Mm -hmm. I will say this of the parts that we were able to use was I literally went from like Facebook live videos of their mom and my ex of being like, I'm so happy for my ex-husband. He's doing this. He's doing that. I got a new job. He seems to be happy. Oh, now he met somebody. Mm-hmm. Everything is great to all of a sudden videos about how she was in an abusive relationship. Apparently she came up with this whole story of that. Yep. She was in this horrible marriage and she had to get out. She had to fight for her life. And of course, none of those things are true. Mm-hmm. And so this was also all going on during this alienation aspect. And I'm just being able to, which I don't know why she thought I wouldn't be able to figure out how to see all this stuff. And my lawyer is looking at all of this stuff and I'm like, what is she saying to my daughter? Mm -hmm. And so I think some of that started happening as well. Yeah. So you get your kids back and you get them for how many days again? So what the court order was, was that I... Had them so they were 100% under my care for 60 days. Okay, the first 30 days she had like she was not able to see them, and then after the one month, she was able to do just every other weekend for that last month, mm-hmm. and then it went to 50 50 week on week off. Okay, so when you got the kids, what was the interaction like between you and your kids when you went to go pick them up and say, Come in with me for 60 days? 
So I don't know if you're aware, but what, what ends up happening, which I can laugh about it now, is we went all day to court. The judge said that this was a lot of stuff. He wanted to review some things. He'll make his decision in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we go back and he made that decision. And so my kids were at school. So basically they're like, the kids are yours. Pick them up from school. And you're like, wait a minute. They didn't go to school thinking they were coming with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so then to make this even worse, their mom called my daughter and told her what the verdict was (gasps) while she was at school. Yeah. And so then I had to go to school and literally show up, explain the situation show them because I had in hand a temporary custody order, mm-hmm. you know, saying what the judge had decided on. And I had to go from there. And so I flat out had to deal with a daughter that said all sorts of lovely things to me. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't what she wanted. It's all my fault. She even had a thing about like, somehow I influenced the judge and, you know, but yeah, she wanted absolutely nothing to do with me and was very upset. I even had to go to my neighbors and be like, I'm sorry, don't call the police, but that's my daughter. And yeah, it was, it was really, really bad. Right. But that's how they do it. I just can't imagine how hard that had to be that first day. Now, was your fiance there at the time when they came back? She was, but she was working and purposely stayed away. Okay. Until like, you know, she had to quote unquote work late that day. Right. Yeah. So she kind of was texting me like, what's going on? What's happening? I'm constantly giving her updates. And when things, you know, it just got to a point where my daughter went into her room, closed the door and, you know. Yep. Shut down. Yeah. And then that's when she finally came home. And yeah, that's how that all went down. So here you are almost a year later and things are getting better, correct? Uh, Things are better now, correct. How are things going with your fiance and her nachoing, stepping back, letting you do everything kind of, how is that working for her? So the little side tangent was that During this whole year, I was the enemy for the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then she transitioned to be, then she was the enemy. Yeah, that that happens. Yeah. And then, so I would say we kind of decided that she would really step back three or four months ago. Okay. And in that short period of time, her relationship with the kids has gotten a lot better. Good. Yeah. So it, it crashed and burned probably like a lot of other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the, at least my kids' stories came from like, we don't like you to, oh, well, we don't like her. And that's the reason why, you know, we're upset. Right. Currently. And uh, to now again, like the relationship with my son and her is fine. My daughter, it's getting better. But yeah, that's that's kind of what we needed to end up actually doing. There was, they, they didn't want to listen to her. They didn't want Mm -hmm. any of the being a parental figure, if you want to call it that. Like they they wanted nothing to do with that. Right. 
So now like what you mentioned though, like she still picks them up from school when she picks them up half of the time from school, picks, I pick them up half the time of school to help with our schedule. Mm-hmm. They're all light and everything. Good. But it's very much, especially with my daughter, it's kind of like, how are you? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's one word answers and then she's kind of in a room. Right. But that's also the age too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but it is like everything else. It's a little heartbreaking to see like what it used to be before all this happened. It can be that way again. It's just going to take time. Yep. And then that's, that's why I think it was almost a blessing of having a platform and and actually discovering you a little bit and being like, oh, okay, there's actually something here where you were not figuring it out all on our own or. Right. It, it just the validation is is kind of nice to be like, oh, okay, well, we are not crazy for thinking this way, or right, yeah, and to feel like that, hey, maybe we can learn from their mistakes because <laughs> we made a lot of them. Yep, and I I, I think that uh, listening to a lot of your other podcasts and stuff like that, I don't I don't see how I, I think everyone's going to have to do that. Right. Especially to understand what's going on and why you would have to step back, why you would have to be a little bit different. Like the only reason you're here is because something happened. Right. Yeah. You know, and so at least in our situation, that's, that's exactly what happened. Does your fiance feel like, and you may not know the answer to this, but does she ever feel like she has no say in the house because she doesn't have that authority to parent them? Yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of our challenge that we're dealing with, 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, she definitely is. will express that, you know, the week that they're here, she's just like, I feel like a guest. I I hide in my room. I, it, it, it's hard because it's, it's not normal. Right. And now it sounds like to me that it may be time for her to reengage a little more. But, of course, I'd have to talk to her and know a little bit more. But when, mm-hmm. when you start feeling that way, kind of left out, like you don't fit, that awkward feeling. In the beginning, when you're starting the nacho process, of course, you're going to have that. But after you've been doing it for a little while and you start feeling this way, like, oh, I'm just in, stuck here in my room because I can't be out there with them, then it's time to look at possibly reengaging a little bit in one area. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's slowly what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's also been a little bit better, at least in the house, because at the very beginning, you know, my son is in his room, closes the door. My daughter goes in her room, closes the door. Mm -hmm. They don't come out. Right. And now they're starting to come out. And like I said, my my son and her relationship is getting very close back to what it used to be. Right. It's not quite there. Mm -hmm. My relationship with my son is right there. Yeah. And it, it's again, like, you know, in it, there, the parallels are opposite. Like, you know, I'm building it back with my daughter. It's getting better. Right. And then now she's finally actually acknowledging my fiance. Woohoo. That's progress. Yeah, correct. And so, so there is all that stuff is there. In fact, like, as far as you were saying, even engaging and all that stuff. And that's why, like, she, she's done great as far as she's there. My daughter's learning how to drive. And she'll, she's taking her out driving. Oh, that's great. So right. She, so she's definitely reengaging. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just what everybody else will experience. Like it is, it is just kind of 
it's hard because it's not what it used to be. Right. And here's the thing is we need to make sure that your fiance knows the tools to help her with those things so she doesn't have to go hide in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And because once she learns those tools, that will help her to still be present and cope with it and deal with it and not be triggered by things. Right. You know, a family game night might be something good for y'all. Not saying it's got to be regular, but just try doing a game night one night. Order pizza and play some kind of game that everybody wants to play. So it's funny you said that because that was something that we were doing that we were talking about reintroducing. I like game night. I like games. So Yeah. And so we, we before all this happened, we definitely were, you know, the kids are getting older. My son does boxing. My daughter wants to get a job like you know they're they're not around like they used to be mm-hmm. and so we would do you know every wednesday we're having dinner we're sitting down we're you know put your phones away we're gonna do that and um that is actually something that we just had a discussion probably last weekend about like do you think that that's where we're at what is your thoughts on this and to you know go ahead and do that right and i like family game night versus movie night because you don't really talk to people a whole lot during a movie or if you do you get told to shh <laughs> yeah so we, never we never did that we it actually is kind of funny it's either like we'll actually play a game or it'd be mario kart or something like that but it had to be something that exactly what you said like we're actually interacting yeah interacting exactly with each other we do still try to at least go out once for dinner or go out to eat together. So that kind of forces them to, they're stuck at a restaurant with us and Uh have to talk and have to do all those things as well. So, so that is definitely something that we're trying to do. And like I said, it's funny you mentioned that because that was also a discussion that we had Yeah, to kind of do that. We're, we're definitely have relaxed a little. I used to want to be that person that was like, we're going to eat every dinner together and we're Mm going to do this. And we're not really doing that as much only for the fact that they're in different activities and sometimes it gets late and, you know, it seems way too forced. And so we're trying to give a little bit of freedom there as well, but then yeah, stick to like, no, every Wednesday night, if we go back to that, this is, you know, what we're doing and you don't have much of a choice about it. Yeah. So, well, I want to go back to when your ex found out that she wasn't going to get to see the kids for 30 days. And then the next month she was only going to get to see them every other weekend. Did Mm -hmm. she freak out? So she did, but I only kind of heard stories. Mm -hmm. The only little part that I know was that there was a big altercation, of course, with her and her lawyer. And then she actually tried to hire another lawyer to see if there was anything that they could do, which of course there isn't, like we just went to court. Mm -hmm. And so I know that there was a lot of that aspect of things that was happening at the time. It was a little tricky because it's not like she couldn't call them or text them either. Oh. Yeah. So So she could or could not call? She, well... There wasn't anything as far as the judgment said that she could not. Well, and see, that's something else. That's what drives me crazy about the family court system. That should have been made clear. Yeah, the family. Well, so the the whole situation is like just absolutely crazy. Yeah, like you know, it, especially and I hate being this way, but I hate being like it's even more unfair for the father. But it really is. Like 
I was sitting there over and over again with different people being like, I could only imagine if I had done this, I'd be in jail. Right. I said, right. But I know plenty of men that have done that and they don't Mm -hmm. get put in jail either. It's a slap on the wrist. It's don't do that again. It's really crazy how you have to go through the stepping stones. And that's almost why I wanted to reach out to you was because like, first off, when you're going through the alienation aspect of things and you don't catch on right away, what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad part, because if you could actually realize what's going on before, you could probably like, hopefully nip some things, things in the butt a little bit quicker. Right. You know what I mean? I was too slow to get a lawyer. I wasn't documenting things right away and I didn't think I had to. And then you're just constantly being rejected over and over and over again by your own children. Yeah. And the saddest part is, especially for me, I had no idea why. I still don't know why. Right. And then you're freaking out. And then I'm not getting the lawyer advice that I thought I was going to be getting and the help that I needed. Then the court system doesn't really truly understand of what's exactly happening. And I'm no longer seeing my kids. Right. You know, the police can't get involved, of course, on different things because they're like, we're not going to touch that. And And it was just, it was painful. And then you're sitting there and you're like, more and more time is going on. And then I start diving in and then they're like, well, the more time it goes on, the worse it gets. Yeah. And I know from every parent will have this that under that goes through it. And I've heard it multiple times, even on like listening to people on your podcast, there is a hundred percent that like, I should give up. Right. Like this is making it worse. I can't, I don't want to do this to my kids. I don't want to keep contacting them and having them, reply yeah. I want to come over like and then you're like oh I don't feel good about this I didn't feel good about showing up knocking on the door being like you're supposed to come with me and nobody shows up and then the police come like mm-hmm. it just it, you I felt horrible right and then I'm being told I kind of have to do this and then you know again more and more time goes on and they recommend the counseling and then I'm like reading about like oh my gosh I don't want that you know, in the lawyers, that's what we have to do. That's what the judge is going to do. Yeah. And my second lawyer, like she was, she was excellent, but she was also pretty blunt with me about this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we just have to have it happen. These are the stepping stones that you have to do in court. Right. They're wrong. Yeah. And even when it just makes it worse and worse and worse until it finally you like all you're basically fighting for is that one day at court. Mm-hmm. And so, but I could a hundred percent see parents just being like, I give up. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Especially if the kids are a little bit older. Right. Well, you know? it's draining financially, emotionally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Financially is insane. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in a, a situation where honestly, like I couldn't afford to do it, but I can afford to do it if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm still paying lawyer fees to this day. Right. You know, I'm on a payment plan. I'm on this. I'm on that and all these things. But it is. It's also one of those things. Like, I just, I couldn't imagine if you are in a situation where you legitimately, like, I can't afford this. Right. They just, they're just going to let it happen. Yeah. And if you don't force it, you're not going to get your day in court. Right. And, and so- you know, from listening to the podcast, I've had several people on here that the men can't afford it because they're paying child support. Oh, I, yeah, I do that as well. And that makes them unable to have as much free money for an attorney. Yeah. And they 
go to court and basically they lose because they don't have proper representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I had some savings and I, I was like praying that that would be okay. It ended up that was half of what my legal cost was. Okay, well, and that's good. So, well, no, I'm sorry, the other way around. Oh. Yeah, it cost twice as much as yeah. what I had in savings. And so like, yeah, it, it depleted me. Yeah. And I'm just kind of doing, which, you know, I, I, I feel like if you're forced to do it, people will work with you. And right. that's what, by the law firm that I decided to, I, I used and all that stuff. But, you know, I was pretty upfront with them as well. I was like, I got X and after that, we'll have to figure something out. And, okay. And, you know. Yeah. And you just have to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. So, but, but the, the fees are like, I, I'll share it. It was, it, so my first lawyer and I ended up actually fighting with her because she really wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. and she wasn't billing me. And then when we finally separated ways, she handed me a bill for 5,000. Oh, wow. And so she had a retainer and I basically argued with them tooth and nail. So I ended up actually not paying her. I got my money back. They just like, let's wash our hands of this. Yeah. Be done with this crazy man. Yeah. Yeah. And I made it that way, but she did make the situation. And I I firmly believe this. She made it worse because even when I talked to my, my new lawyer, like she was also very correct about not being like, oh, wow, she messed us up. But she was like, yeah, that's, you know, not what I would have done in the polite way because they know each other or it's, it's a small world. Yeah. They all hang out and drink afterwards. Exactly. And then for the period of time that I had my second lawyer to the day going to court and basically when you're done with court, like they just wrap up your final custody thing and you're done. Mm-hmm. That was 18,000. Wow. And I did a lot of the documentation. I did a lot of like, here's everything that I put together for you. I had binders and my fiance was amazing and she helped me with that as well. So like that was with us doing a lot of the digging around work. Right. But then she still had to obviously review it all and, you know, figure out how to present it. And, and yeah, it, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. What's applicable. What's not. Yep. She gave me an itemized bill and all these things that I'm like, well, I can't really argue this, you know? Yeah. She's got an hourly rate and she worked and everything was documented. And Well, and that's the thing is you don't mind paying when you know that they truly did work for you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in an, in another way, like I I'll still look back on this and I, I don't regret fighting to keep my kids in my life. Like, cause the alternative, if I didn't do that, they wouldn't be here. Right. But at the same time, I know that part of you is like, just because she wanted to be difficult. I had to spend $20,000. Oh, I mean, yeah, to get to get back what I had. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, and see, this is, <laughs> this is not what you should do, people. You should not think to yourself, that sorry piece of crap made me spend 20 grand for nothing. Not that it means that your kids are for nothing, but because she didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And did you even try to get her to have to pay your attorney's fees? Yeah. So the interesting part was that that was part of our, I can't remember what the right wording is for this, but yes. And so when you when we went to court, it was basically like, 
she, trying to prove she's in contempt of court to begin with. Right. And if she is, then that gives and her. She, is, she has to pay my lawyer fees or, you know, it, it, it's so silly, but they're going to do it. Like, and she could go to jail for a year or something goofy like that. But they're like, people put that in. I think it's dumb. No judge is ever going to do it. Right. Basically what happened to me was that, and it was kind of like a little bit of a milestone was that the judge did find her in contempt, did find her guilty and even wrote parental alienation in his final verdict, Mm -hmm. but they won't take it that one step further on the first go around. Ah, sucks. Yeah. And so how I was explained it was that we actually had a good idea that we were going to be in favor when, um, we were there all day. And then the judge said, like, we're going to come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He actually made one little statement. And he's like, I have a lot of things to process, a lot of things to go over. And I'm not just going to go and make the decision of what the children want. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, wow, I can't believe he said that. So then when we actually were, he was going through the verdict, my lawyer actually turned to me and she's like, I think you're actually going to get everything you want. Like, I think this is like, you actually did it. Mm -hmm. And because again, like a lot of the times they will not use the word like alienation. They just don't, a lot of the courts are not yet still at that point of recognizing it. Yeah. Because it's a dirty word. It's a very dirty word as I found out. And so we were shocked that he actually used that because he was reading and she learned to me and leaned to me and she's like, I think you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. And then he said all those things I just told you about, like contempt, this, that. And then he just kind of like, then said what was going to happen the 60 days the after that week on week off. And then he just like kind of stopped. And then my lawyer addressed and said like, okay, you know, what about lawyer fees, this or that? And he said that he didn't see enough evidence and it was something weird that what did he want? Like, weirdly maliciously did it or something like that. It oh, was willful and malicious. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it was like, so then he's just like, okay, we're done. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then it was explained to me exactly pretty much that mm-hmm. is that on the first go around, it's very, 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 very rare that the judges are going to agree to legal fees. If she did it again and we had to step in front of his court again, and she was found guilty, that would be the next step. Like, that's almost like the next punishment. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm very fortunate, and I'm sure it depends on each state. But every time I've had to go to court, my ex has had to pay something at least towards my attorney's fees. Yeah, that's what we were also a little bit surprised because she did say that, you know, there could be partial payment, there could be this, there could be that. There was like, well, we were at court they did try to play the little like game of like poor her and she's all by herself and he makes more money. And, you know, like they, they tried to play that up that tiny little bit, mm-hmm. which I was like, I don't, I don't see why any of this is relevant. Right. Like her lawyer, the only thing he could really go with was that the dynamic used to be that, you know, I did go to work and that she raised the kids and different stuff like that. Like, and that should be a reason why all of a sudden, you know, she has them a hundred percent of the time, even though I already have a custody order. Right. And so there was a little bit of that going on. And I don't know if, you know, I might be reading into this, if that has anything to yeah. play into it, but. 
Well, the fact of the matter is you won. Yes. Yes. And it sucks that you had to pay all that money. But we have to believe that, well, we know it was worth it because you got your kids. Well, it's just, it's exactly that. It's like, I, I have a relationship with my kids and I'm going to continue building it. Where it, like I said, it, it's, and that's also the scary part. I've heard parents say this and that gentleman say that on yours. Like the fear is that, and it sounds goofy. I, I would even verbalize and I'm like, what if I go and I lose? Right. And my fiance's like, you already lost. You're not seeing it. Right. And like, but then it'll be official. Well, no, because then you could appeal. Well, I yeah. get it. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. You know, and so you're, you know, and you're, you're playing that mental game as well. The sad, sad part, in all honesty, of all this, though, is that, like, and why I also kind of fought so hard with it was I was seeing what it was doing to my son. Right. And this stuff, like, regardless of parents and my feelings and my fiance's feelings and all that, when you dig into the research and then you see it, you experience it with your own kids, it is emotional abuse. It is. My kids are not the same. Right. And it, it's sad that like, it, it needs to be taken that seriously, that this is not right. It's not okay. And, you know, the court systems, I feel like they have to take this more seriously. Like they're not understanding the repercussions that it's having on kids. Right. And, and you'll read and there's more books coming out. People are writing about it and people are writing about like, I was a child that, you know, had to underwent parental alienation. Like I hate to say, and I, I, I read this and I feel bad, but like it makes a long lasting impression on them. And they're, you know, quote unquote, like it messes them up. Yeah. And divorce is hard enough. I, I can only imagine for kids seeing right. their parents with other people is got to be hard enough, but deep down. And that's the scary part about parental alienation. And even, you know, you have, if you've looked into it, like there's like these models and a five factor thing and this or that, they, I think they, they know that they want to have a relationship, but that person is keeps telling them like all these bad things and I need you. And, and they make yeah. them the victim that like, if you go against me, you know, you don't love me. And there's all, it's, it's, it's really bad. It's m- messing with their minds. Yeah. It, it's a hundred percent. And it's, it's so, it's almost like, it's just so sick to know that like, that's probably what was going on. Again, I don't have proof of that, mm-hmm. but anytime you read, like it gets to that point, you know, one of the the key factors, which is sad that the the distinguishing factor between an abused child and an alienated child is abused child will still want to have a relationship with the abuser, with the parent. Right. And the alienating one will be like, I don't want anything to do. I, I never want to see my father or my mother again. Why? I hate them. But why? I just hate them. Right. You know, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, how did they get their heads wrapped around that? Well, and there are cases, you know, there's always those cases that the kids have turned around and basically cut the parent that did the alienating, cut them out of their life. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because they're like, you took me from my dad or you took me from my mom and I don't want anything to do with you. You lied about her or him. Mm-hmm. I think that there's slowly some things creeping in a little bit in the back of my son's head mm-hmm. a little bit, which, you know, I also sadly like, I don't want to see that either. Right. I get it. 
you know, like that my, my goal is, and even when I was in court, like it was absolutely insane that I didn't see my children for nine months. I suggested, I suggested 90 days and her lawyer actually being like, do you know, like, have you thought about how damaging that would be to your kids? And I looked them straight in the face and I'm like, I haven't seen my kids for nine months. Right. Nobody cared about that. Yeah. You didn't care. She didn't care. Yeah. And that's what gets me is they try to make you go, well, you should be the sympathetic one. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it, it, it makes no sense. And I sat down and I go like, my goal is to, and that's what I said in court, like to go right back because they're like, what do you want? I'm like, I'm not asking that I have a hundred percent custody, you know, as much as I, you know, can't stand her. Right. Yeah. For what happened. And I still don't agree. And, and, you know, it, it, even though it's been a year, it hasn't stopped. Right. You know, it's still going on. It's still happening. It's just that the kids know that they have to come over here. They have a little bit of a different attitude, but the, the alienating stuff that was occurring before is still happening to this day. Uh, so she's still doing the same crap. Yeah, I I don't believe in any case that it probably ever stops. Yeah. But that also still doesn't mean that I don't think that any child shouldn't have both parents in their lives. Well, you get to a point that you wonder, though, is it really healthy for them to have a mom in their life that is trying to destroy the relationship they have with their father? It's it's that's tough. It is. Because I, as a, as their father, I, in a, at their age now, again, they're 14 and 16. I, I don't know if this is bad, but I feel like they're just going to have to figure that one out. They will. They will. On their own. I don't know how to, I don't, I know legally, you know, you're, you're never going to be able to, the fighter prove that or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you kind of get what I'm saying. Right. Like, it, that that's a tough one because I agree hundred percent with you right. on that. I, I still wonder what's more damaging. I, I guess psychologist or psychiatrist or somebody would have to do some kind of studies on that. Mm-hmm. But, but it really is. And it, like to, to wrap everything up in a nutshell, like it, it's just, I feel like the whole parental alienation thing is, is getting out there more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But it's still like not really out there enough that there really isn't the the proper support. Therapists and counselors definitely don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the court system a million percent doesn't know how to deal with it. Right. They don't know how to deal with it. I feel like the lawyers are starting to figure some things out, which, you know, that's how they make money. So they better figure it out. Right. But it's still like, it's just not there. And even in the aftermath of the part, like I definitely don't know what to do. And I try to find as many resources as I can. And you can get all the information you want of how to win a court case and prove parental alienation. And then that's almost where everything stops. Right. And there's, it's very hard. And I haven't really found anything that's like, okay, you know, you won step one do this. Like, it's not, I, I, if anybody knows of anything, like a hundred percent, let me know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But reach out I, to us and let us know because once you win, like you said, then what? Yeah. How do you help your kids heal from this? How do you heal it from it yourself? 
the only thing I could tell people is, is the same way I can tell them what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, I could like, I, you know, I feel like I, I got a pretty good grasp of like how to prove it, what you should do as soon as you suspect it, jump on it. And then I think the the biggest part for people too, is also like what to expect afterwards. Right. You know, like what you were, what we were talking about like earlier about picking up, especially my daughter from school and seeing her face and the words that came out of her mouth for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that, that was even worse. Right. So that was worse. That was worse than not seeing her. Yeah. Because now she's verbalizing everything and she was mad. Yeah. I did this. I created this, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm biting my lip on everything because the one thing that I've still held strong a year later is I've never, I've never really gone down the road of like, no, I didn't. Your mom did. Right. And I want to see it every single time. Mm-hmm. I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. And I just try to bite my lip. I try not to say anything. I deal with all the same crap that everybody else does uh, about I pay child support. It's 50, 50. I can't get her to pay even $1 towards any extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to buy my daughter a car that she won't contribute to, even though she bought a brand new truck, like <laughs> it's craziness like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there still bearing and grinning it as I still pay my lawyer fees and I drive my crappy car and yeah, but you got your kids. I have my kids. Yep. Yep. And you can't, oh. you can't put a price on that, but I do get, on the other hand, I do get people that just give up. I could a hundred percent like, if I was talking to somebody and they gave, I understand why they gave up. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with giving up because the only reason I say that is that I think what they have to fight for is they have to, people have to fight for their kids to help their kids in the future. Mm-hmm. Because if I didn't, they might, it was affecting my kids in a very negative way. Right. And if they were still doing that, you know, especially my son, like I couldn't imagine what, where my son would be mentally. Mm-hmm. It, it put a big toll on him. He's, he deals with going to counseling and therapists. He's on medication now, like where he wasn't before, obviously he has anxiety. He has a lot of stress and it was, I, I, 1 million percent, it all happened at the same time. Right. And so I had to hold, I have to hold to that, you know. And that's so sad. And that's when they're going through puberty changes and all that. Yep. So it's even now my daughter is starting to figure out, I think like I am helping her towards her goals where her mom isn't. Right. And I think she's starting to figure out too, like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're not a bad guy. Yeah. And so, but that, I think that that's only the only part that I would say to people. And I, I get the feeling of wanting to give up because it crosses your head over and over again. Like, I just want what's best for my kids. And if my kids are telling me that they don't want me in their life, then maybe I should honor that. And hopefully, and I hear this all the time because I said it, I verbalized it when they're 18 or 19 or in their 20s, they'll, they'll maybe want to have a relationship with me. Right. And I said that, and I've heard people say that when they're just like, yeah, but that's, that's what my hope is. I, I'm letting it go right now, but I was like, what's going to happen now? Yeah. You know, what's happening to them now? Mm-hmm. 
And it, it, it's not, it's not as simple as like, and not, you don't know when it's happening, but you hope that everything's okay. Like you think like, oh, they're just don't want to see. No, right. They're not okay. Well, I know we touched on that. The corridor wasn't specific on mom having contact with the kids during that 60 day period. We know physical contact. Yes. But what about the. Did they end up talking to her and FaceTiming her and all that during that time? So I know 100% my daughter did a lot, which mm-hmm. did. Help. And I'd only assume it was the same thing with my son. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it definitely was like one step forward, two steps back. A yeah. Bit. And I do feel like that if the judge would have thought about it, we'll say, or the attorney would have mentioned it, that the judge would have put in there, maybe contact one night a week for 20 minutes mm-hmm. or something, not completely cut her off. But at the same time, it kind of defeated the purpose by them being able to have her in their ear when they just got back. And that was a whole part of the therapy while this was all going on as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're living under her house. She's taking a the therapy. She's talking to the therapist. The kids are talking to the therapist. The kids aren't pushing anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole point. It just reaffirms the the same thing over and over again. Right. And so, But I'm also under the impression, Lori, that like, I don't even know if, I think even that was a milestone a little bit of giving me the 60 days. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, in California, that's what they do. But anyway, there's a lady in California named Dorsey Pruder. She works with the court systems in California to have the children removed from the alienating parent and placed with the targeted parent. So I I think that that's actually where we got the idea. Yeah. Because I asked for 90 with zero Mm -hmm. contact. And then I even wanted, which they don't do either, was I tried to like mandate that she go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I didn't get that either, but you you tried. Yes. And so it it is interesting because I'm I'm pretty sure that name sounds familiar. Like I said, it was a year ago. Yeah. And and it's definitely a milestone and definitely a win and a progress that the court system where you are is starting to pick up on that too. Right. Like I was told at least in our area that like my lawyer wasn't, they aren't able to reference any cases, especially with the judges. So we basically in, in mine, it's, I don't know if this is a little different, but there's basically three family judges mm-hmm. and like zero of them would have ever written in the word like alienation or anything like that. Right. And so, you know, they, they may understand that it maybe occurred and, you know, you get X, Y, and Z back and you quote unquote win, but the, the actual words aren't ever used or expressed. Right. My lawyer also said that she hadn't seen ever where somebody was awarded. If you want to say that 60 days or any time where that occurred either. And so that, and I know it's like kind of rolled my eyes and she was a little excited and like, Oh, like, you know, this will help so many people. We'll be able to use this. And yes, like one person. So now, you know, we can use this to help other people. I'm like, okay, that's great. But I'm also, you know, at the time, well, I was a, yeah, you know, yeah. a little bit of a rack and like, 
So I understand it now, but yes, it, it's, it's definitely at least, like I said, in our area, it's, it's, it's a big fight to, to get this out there. Right. It is, but it's a step and mm-hmm. a huge step. It's a stride and you can help other people with your story that you did win. And yep, like she said, that it's going to help other people because when they go to court, they can say, oh, remember case such and such where the judge did this? Because that judge is more apt to do it again. The hardest time's the first time. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, I learned something about the court systems. I don't know if it's all, everywhere in California or this one particular place, but you can go to the courthouse and people are there to help you be able to represent yourself. They have people help you fill out the paperwork, tell you what paperwork you'll need, what you need to file and how. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That should be everywhere. It, it should. I would still be a little scared in that situation. Uh, yeah, but it's still better than just going in empty-handed. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's a little, like, it's tough because, like, I've heard other stories and I've listened to other podcasts and there was... I can't remember. I feel like he was in Colorado or something and it was just the craziest story in the world. And he ended up firing all of his lawyers because he also felt like no one was able to understand what was happening or help him. Or they were like, well, this is how it goes in court. And he represented himself as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and he won and, and all those different things. So I, yeah, I obviously wish it would be a lot easier and not as expensive. And, you know, you didn't have to do any of this. But right. at the same time, I, I feel like it would be scary to also like, Hey, if one person comes in with a lawyer and, you know, the other person doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on something like this. Like, I feel like, you know, that's almost like the worst advice you could give on getting a divorce or doing anything. Like yeah. you're usually going to be taken to the cleaners and lose everything, including your kids. But if that's your only option. And you can't afford an attorney. Oh, I, you know, I, yeah, I would, I would still go to court over not going to court. Yeah. And we've had uh, success stories of people representing themselves basically with no background as far as the court system. And then we've had people that have just completely been obliterated because they did not have rep- representation with an attorney. Yeah. But th- so the sad thing, though, to any parent that's undergoing it, if it, if it gets to periods of time, like nine months to me felt like the end of the world. Yeah. I know there's stories two, three, five years. Oh, yeah. There's. Yeah. Right. But like, I think that the the best advice and the, the one thing that stuck in my head, and I should probably tell her this, but because I don't think I have, was when when I, I did, I, I had the whole meltdown. Like, it was just like. You know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to fight. And then my fiance was like, you, you already lost them. Right. It can't get any worse. Right. And so, and that was like, you know, and it probably hit me the next morning a little bit. First, I was like, yeah, that's true. Like, how can it get any worse than this? Right. Exactly. You know? yeah. And so even if you said like, you can't afford it and you have to go in there and they're just like, you know, you lost, you're, you're you didn't lose. Yeah. You tried. You tried and you already like, what, what, what was the different outcome? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, you know, I, I guess there's, there's that as well of kind of what you were talking about representing yourself or that there is, you know, it is great. At least there's something. 
mm-hmm. there or some people there to help you. I don't know. I never even looked into that myself here. Yeah. So I'm on the opposite coast. So I might would do it, not necessarily in a parental alienation case for sure, but maybe if the child support is being questioned, somebody wants to adjust the child support. As long as people fill out the right stuff and have the right documentation, you don't really need an attorney. Well, so child support, especially over here, I was a little bit in shock when that happened to me because it's so cut and dry. Right. Nobody cares. Yep. They don't care what your car payment is, your house payment is. All they care about is your income, their income, the cost of daycare, and the cost of medical. Yeah. So you really just show your W-2s and what you just said, and then they look at your current custody order and they go, okay, you fit in a... I think we're like table ABC or something like yeah. that, you yeah. know, and, and they're just like, literally, I was, I was amazed. They're, they're banging away on calculators, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I had to sit in a room full of other people and literally see men crying because they can't afford this and all these crazy stories. This oh or that. Gosh. I just kind of went up front and you'd like one gentleman was exactly that. Like she was refusing to let him see his child who was a baby, he's paying all these things out. He bought the cribs, bought the this, bought the that. And it's so sad that they're, he's like, but I don't even get to see my kid. And he's like, but we're not here for that. Like literally the judge is saying that. Right. That's because they keep child support and visitation separate. Correct. And that's the tough part. And that was the same thing with me was like, you know, you bet you, like my first question out of my mouth was like, do I really have to keep paying child support? And they're like, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, this, the scarier part was that if I actually lost, then she could go right back and then I would pay a hundred percent, like more child support. Right. That's even, that's even more bonkers. Yep. I hate to, to even say this out loud, but I don't take that off as far as also a motive for some people. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. that's the reality. That's what happens. If you, if you can prove it and you go in there and that, that was also my part of why you have to constantly keep reaching out. You have to show them that you're not abandoning. They can't come back to you and be like, you haven't even reached out the last six months. Mm-hmm. Well, the first three months I did, I got the cops called on me and they kept saying they didn't want to see me. And I felt like that would be best for their kids. No, that can be used against you. Right. Yeah. How much is too much? How much is harassment? Mm-hmm. How much is stalking or whatever? How much is it unhealthy for you and for them? Who yeah. determines that? It's the judge. Yeah, it's it's a little weird and it doesn't feel right. I hated every second of it. I didn't want to put my kids in the middle right. of it. Like I didn't want any of that. Yep. And so now the the sad part of, and then I know we haven't talked for a while, but the little twist in my, with what happened with me was that, I would message their mom and she would have the kids message me. Okay. So, well, so in other words, I would stay strong with the, I will, I will be there in order to pick up the kids at 4 PM. Yeah. And the kids would message you and say, we don't want to come or make it six or. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what happened to me. And then I'd quickly be like, oh, well, I really miss you and I love you or something like that. Like that was the best that I felt was appropriate. And even that I was like, I don't like this. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like that. She's doing that. I don't like that that's happening. And they're messaging me all the time. And it's really messed up of what you have to do. Right. It is. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your story with us. And I am so glad that you got your kids back. 
I interviewed a guy not too long ago that I think 20 years he didn't have his kids. And then I've interviewed the guy that his kids went away for like a week on vacation, kind of similar to yours, and they came back and wanted nothing to do with him. And we see a lot of this. And I know it necessarily doesn't have a lot to do with Nacho in general, but it does in your case because your fiancé is able to learn to Nacho to help with this process with your kids. Yeah, and that was the only reason why like, I reached out to you that, that one. Because when I listened to that one podcast with that one gentleman, he's like, you know, well, I just, I don't agree and I want to be the best. And I was like, but you haven't, you haven't gone through anything. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, it, you don't have to do this. Right. You weren't recommending this for every blended family. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only if you have to, be, and then usually it's because something occurred that's led you to where you are today. And what you're currently doing is a disaster and making it worse and worse and worse. Right. And the goal is for it to not be forever. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and it's the same thing of what you and I, I know that you guys are keep bringing it up over and over again and what it actually means. Mm-hmm. I, I even feel like I can't explain it properly about what, you know, my fiance is doing right now. Right. You know, she's not ignoring it. No one's ignoring anybody. You don't ignore it. You just don't engage in negative interaction. Exactly. And then, you know, stepping away from at the very beginning, any type of actually, you know, parental role, like, you know, so now it's kind of like, no, you have to deal with this. You Mm -hmm. have to, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. Nope. But you at least knew that that's what was best for your relationship too. Yeah. It gets to that point, you Mm -hmm. know, where there is no choice because if we don't, there's She's no telling. Anymore. <laughs> so, and it really is. It hits that point. Like, yeah. I can't keep doing this if this is the way it's going to go. And I'm like, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes either. No. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that you have to hit almost that like serious discussion of like, I can't, especially on her side, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Well, I am so thankful that you won. And that the judge actually did use the words parental alienation in your case. Yeah, thank you. It's a step in the right it direction. Is. Yeah. Yep. Well, keep in touch and let us know how things are going. Perfect. I will. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good one. Eric talks about how he fired his first lawyer. I've had a few I wanted to fire. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I've had, what, five attorneys, I think, through the 18-year process. One of them was good. He ended up a judge. So you can't use him, obviously. The second one, pervert. Anyway, there was one good one. And when I say a good one, I mean someone that I felt like truly cared about the well-being of my son. Mm -hmm. And not just trying to get money in his pockets. And I refer people to him constantly. And in fact, I've told him and his wife I love them. Mm -hmm. I do, because that's how much it meant to me to have somebody that truly cared about my kid. It's not easy to find somebody like that. Nope. Nope. He said he felt like therapy made things worse, that the therapist gave too much control to the kids instead of reunification. I can Mm. see that. Yeah. There are plenty of situations where, how do I say this nicely? Oh, the therapists are wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to a therapist and you're a struggling step-parent and they say, oh, you just need to love the kids more. Say, thank you. Have a good day. I'll never talk to you again. (laughs) And find somebody else. <laughs> you should you should always go to your blended family 
therapist in the first meeting, you should say, have you ever heard of Nacho Kids? Well, and not that everybody <laughs> has to agree with Nacho Kids, but you need to make sure that they have experience with blended families because most don't. Yeah. And ask them questions. It's like we've said before, don't take more time choosing which air fryer to get than you do a therapist. Yeah, I absolutely agree. No matter what it is, blended family or otherwise. Right. And ask those questions. Email them questions. Say, prior to our first visit, I'd like to have these questions answered. Do you have experience with blended families? What is your position on the role of the step parent in the blend? Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to tell your significant other, look, I need to step back a little bit. This is overwhelming. I'm stressed out. I'm burnout, whatever. And you go to a therapist and they say, well, you just need to love them more. Lord, that ain't going to go good. Yeah. No, you should definitely interview them. Yeah. Yeah. Interview them just like you would be interviewing somebody to give them a job because you are giving these people a job. You're paying them to give you uh, their time and knowledge and experience and all that. So you definitely need to to vet them. And I'm not saying that every therapist needs to agree with you, but they need to have the same basic foundation that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Is that the proper way to put that? Well, if if nothing else, I think they they should be open to understanding your situation and what might work best for you. So in other words, I if I'm your therapist, I shouldn't just say, do X. What I probably should do is say, here's X and here's Y. Which one do you feel like would be your best course of action? And then whichever one you pick, then we can go down that path and, and discuss and then go from there. But, I, you know, like I would come up and, for example, I might say, would would loving them more or would stepping back away from the relationship for a little bit and letting it grow organically be better? Which one do you feel like is a better path for you? Mm-hmm. And if you say, well, I think I just should just love them more. All right, well, then let's talk about what that might look like. And we'll go down that path together and see if that's a viable option. Right. But that's kind of, I can, as a, I'm not a therapist, I'm a coach, but as a coach, what I would say would be, if that's the way, if that's what you want to try, then let's try it. Let's gauge what what happens and let's come back next week or next month, whatever. And let's discuss what the outcomes were. Right. And a while back, we did have an interview with a lady about how to vet for a therapist. Mm-hmm. In episode 180, we interviewed Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby, where we talked about the importance of vetting a therapist. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to listen to that, go to nachokids.com slash NKP180. It is very important that you vet your therapist. Yep. I really hope that Eric continues to share his story and be able to provide some type of resource for other parents that are alienated to help them with their reunification. Yeah. Because nobody talks about that. They just talk about, oh, you haven't been seeing your kid. Now you're going to see him for six months straight. Good luck. Yeah. And Eric is the one that mentioned to the judge, we need family therapy. Mm -hmm. The most important thing in any situation is to do what's best for the kids. That is true. All right, that is our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening and join us again next week. And remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. 
Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.